Wow. We finally made it, y'all. 2024. Welcome back to the first episode of the brand new year. Another wonderful episode. Another wonderful week of DQ with Damani. This is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I. And I am blessed to have made it through the year delivering you the best boxing combat sports lifestyle news and analysis around the world now we're gonna get this started very spicy very smoky we're not gonna waste any time bill haney went back to discuss the shakur stevenson situation and things got very heated let's go on ahead and roll that wallahi shakur stevenson started that not jay not top rank not Devin, not Bill, it was Shakur. Then when I called him and I asked him about the publicity stunt, Top Rank said that he wanted 50%. So I'm saying 50% of what? The man is on, the man is tripping. They said they don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I come back to Devin and said, man, the man is tripping, right? Now everyone started like that they don't know how to do these deals and you don't know how to offer your services and, and so on and so forth, right? You don't know how that it's already been a lane that's been created, right? Whether it be um, Tank uh, uh, Ryan Garcia, who's already fought Tank Davis. Hey, 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 listen, you shouldn't have pulled out the pork chops if you don't eat pork, nigga. Go back to what I just said about the publicity stunt. Was it a publicity stunt or not? Listen, what did he send to sign? What was he talking about signing? Sign what? If it's 25, like you said, 25% of what? You can say, well, what was 50% of what? Nigga, what did you send over to sign in the middle of all them people? All them fly people, Houston people standing around. Ness, what was on, where was the contract? Or was that a publicity sign on your part? Back, you know what I mean? Back up like Michael Jackson, nigga. I just said, he sent over, listen, he sent over a, 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 a thing that said sign the contract with some bottles. Now, what contract are you talking about? That's what I'm telling you is there's no place. And you look up if you have everyone in the chat, if you go just look up um, percentages for uh, mandatories, right? In boxing, just look up, type in percentages for mandatories in boxing, right? You'll see that it's a mandatory for one belt. There's never been a mandatory for all four belts, all four belts, right? Because yep. What, what you see is when a person becomes undisputed, he is the guy. He doesn't he doesn't have a mandatory that for all the belts, right? So we look we stuck around and we said to top rank is that we're not gonna run up out the office and do bunko business with y'all. You know what I'm saying? If Loma's hurt, if Shakur, whoever it is, but what I want to be able to tell the story is that after we finished that second fight, we came to you guys and told y'all, whoever you pick, it's on y'all. You know what I mean? Don't, as a four-fight option, right, I, I put it on the table for Deb to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Because, right, you never want to be where it's only one game in town and it's only one thing as a manager, as a guy in business. You want Devin and you want your fighter to 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 also have options if he wanted and all the other shit. So whether or not they did it or whether or not they had it, that would have still been having Devin have the option. They didn't put the option on the table. Whether or not Shakur would have been that option or not, I'm not speaking on that. I'm just saying when I talked to Top Rank about a fourth option, they did. When we got through with that, of course, Devin and and and, and Eddie, 
started talking, right? So now we're finished with that deal. But with Devin and Eddie, that meant that Shakur could cross platforms if he got permission from Bob, if Bob wanted to do the deal. Or that meant that Devin could still go over and do a deal with Bob with what Bob has on the table. But a fight is a fight, man. As we all know, the situation at 135 pounds and 140 pounds is dire. We got belts all over the place, super champions, world champions. Obviously, there have been a whole lot of contract disputes. We just had Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia semi-agree to a fight. Then the fight falls out. Now Ryan wants to fight Roley. Roley isn't interested in fighting Ohara Davies anymore, even though Ismael Maroso, the guy who just knocked out Ohara Davies, is his mandatory. There's just been a whole lot of foolishness going down in these two weight classes, and the sanctioning bodies aren't doing much of anything about it. We just had Gervonta tank Davis, GTD, rise up and become the WBA super champion, of course, through email, which a lot of people are disappointed about. But in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense because Devin Haney, he's trying to get rid of the situation that befell him at 135 pounds. He was already undisputed. So what's the sense in going back and forth on social media with these guys if they're saying everything except let's fight? Now, a lot of people were saying, like I said, that boy ducked. We came on this show. We discussed it very openly, and I made sure that I had the facts, but now we have Bill Haney doubling back on the situation and fully transparent on this. I'm going to say it again. He was fully transparent on this. There were people saying that Bill Haney was capping, that Bill Haney speaks too much. He needs to let his son talk. But I disagree with all of those sentiments. I'm going to keep it 100 like I always do on the DQ with Damani podcast. The first of the year. We're going to start 2024 off right. No capping. Bill Haney's right. In what universe do you have a guy complain about 25%, demand 50%, you just came off of a situation where the fight wasn't even lined up properly for you? You should be grateful that you're even getting the 25. There are so many other people at 135 and 140 who said, I would take the 25%. For a world championship, 25% doesn't matter because if you take the risk and you win, all of the money is going to be yours. You become the target. Everybody wants to fight you. And then also consider the fact that because the belts are scattered, other champions are going to want to unify with you. So what type of sense does it make for an individual to complain about 25%, then go on social media, claim that the other side is lying? It, it None of it just makes sense any sort of sense. I, I like to think that Shakur Stevenson was just talking way, 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 way too fast. Didn't mean to say it or something like that. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But still, I am glad that Bill Haney spoke up, decided to clear up the situation because a lot of people, especially the viewers of my show, were confused as to what was going down when he did not want to take the fight. This one is more so breaking news. Gervonta Tank Davis, who we just spoke about, is going to be in a bit of a tricky situation. Let's just say that. We have news now that his coach <sighs> has been arrested. 
I really, really, really hate this for Coach Calvin Ford because he has been a pillar to not just the black community, but the community as a whole in Baltimore. He has made sure through his boxing programs that he is keeping kids off the streets, keeping kids out of jail, even grown men coming to his gym, training just to stay out of the streets. So to hear now that he's been arrested, we don't even know what charges he was arrested on. It's just the fact that it even happened. It makes no sense. Now, Bomack, obviously, he went to the UK. He had a little blicky on him. <laughs> obviously, there's not much we could say about that. But Calvin Ford, we have a whole lot to say about this. There is absolutely no way that somebody such as himself can provide so much to the community. Him and Tank both provide so much to their community and then just get stabbed in the back like that. Absolutely horrendous, man. Free Calvin Ford. Whoo! I told y'all he was going to start off hot. Two back-to-back. -back. We're going to make it three. Errol Spence Jr. posted this morning himself in a wheelchair, leaving the hospital with bandages and gauze over his right eye. Now, a lot of guys don't know Errol Spence Jr. has had repeated issues with his eyes, both of them to be exact. He had a situation last year where he ended up in a car accident. He came out, spoke, spoke very, very frequently about the fact that his eyes were not doing too hot. Now, he just had surgery on that right eye. He went on social media, Instagram to be specific, and said that he needed this surgery to ensure that he would be able to continue to fight. And the reason that he was getting hit that many times on the right side was because he could not see. A lot of people on socials are saying that he's making excuses, but I, for one, believe that this is very true. Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm just going to say that name. A lot of casuals, obviously, you're going to know him. A lot of my people who are hardcore boxing fans and even athletes themselves know about Sugar Ray. If you do not know, Sugar Ray Leonard had issues in both of his eyes, had surgery in both of his eyes for the same exact reason. His eyes were damaged throughout the years of fighting as an amateur and a professional. A whole lot of people did not say that Sugar Ray was making excuses. So I don't know why we're treating this Errol Spence Jr. situation any differently than we treated Sugar Ray. Obviously, I wasn't alive, but all, like I said, all of my hardcore fans who are very much older than me, you know, when he came out, he announced that he was going to retire and Hagler was pissed. We did not make excuses as a community. We did not say, oh man, well, he's just ducking. He just wants to retire because he's scared. No, no, no. We kept it 100 and we gave him the time and the space that he needed to heal. So why is it that we are now treating Errol Spence Jr. like an outcast? Is it just because he lost one time, might I add? He was undefeated before Terrence Crawford. So where is this disrespect coming from? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I hope that it doesn't make a lot of sense to you guys either. Let's keep it 100 across the board. Gonna touch bases with the MMA community right now. It has been announced Two times this week, we've got two big announcements. Francis Ngannou, the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, 
will be taking on Anthony Joshua on March 8th in Saudi Arabia. We do not know who this fight will be promoted by. It might be Skillers Challenge. It might be DAZN. I'm very hopeful that it will be a co-promotion between the two. Either way, it's going to be an amazing fight. As we all remember, that boy Francis put Tyson Fury on his butt and he still could not get the victory. So if he is able to get past the giant Anthony Joshua, he might be getting a rematch against Tyson Fury. If, of course, he is able to retain his world heavyweight championship against the three belt world champion, the Ukrainian Alexander Usyk. Now, for the second announcement in the MMA world, we have now been able to confirm that Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal will be fighting one another in the boxing ring. No, this is not taking place underneath the UFC Fight Pass or the UFC's promotion at all. We are not entirely sure whether or not it will be game-bred fighting or not, but we do have an announcement that the fight will be happening. Hopefully, these two are able to train well, stay healthy, and provide the fans a wonderful fight. We have more action in the light heavyweight division. We just saw Dimitri Bivol, the second man to defeat Canelo Alvarez, aside from Floyd Mayweather Jr., unify his WBA super lightweight title with the IBO's version of the light heavyweight title. On the other side of the street, ESPN Top Rank is bringing to us January 13th's card, Artur Berbiev, another Russian fighting out of Canada currently, taking on Callum Smith, another former opponent of Ganelos. Now, I want you guys to remember, this man has 19 wins, 19 knockouts, 100% knockout ratio, 5 foot 11. Callum Smith, right now, he is very inactive. I'm going to keep it real. If you are a betting man, I want you to keep your pockets tight. Do not throw any money on Smith. For somebody who has been as inactive as him, I do not believe that he will be able to pull the upset victory. Of course, his record looks good. 29-1, no draws, a lot of money on the table here. You don't want to lose it on a guy like him. Now, obviously, better be if he's been fighting since 2013. He is 38 years old. So the mileage might be running a little bit too long on his career, but he has shown in the past and he has shown currently through his training and sparring footage that we've seen so far being brought to us by Fight Hype that he is still a very game and very hungry fighter. I do not believe that he's going to give Callum any easy rounds. Now, I am going to make it very clear to you guys. When I talk about Better Biev, I don't want to make him sound like he is untouchable. He has been hurt before. His last fight against Anthony Yard, he showed... Yes, that boy can get touched. That boy can be touched. He is not untouchable. His chin is just as vulnerable as anybody else's. When Yard hit him, upstairs, downstairs, he felt it. It is entirely possible to hurt better BF. However, this is Callum Smith we're talking about. Once again, I have to remind all of you, he has not been active. If Callum Smith was as active as he was in his prior years, yes, I would most definitely tell you guys with confidence he can make something happen. But he literally had one fight in 2021, one fight in 2022. He didn't fight in 2023 at all. No one. He was absent for the entire year. 
So when people talk about, oh man, the underdog, he could definitely do it. He's a, guys, he is not that. He he's not him. He is not him. Let's be honest. When we have inactive fighters and we discuss these guys going into the ring with a dominant champion, especially somebody as dominant as Arthur Beterbiev, who once again, going to reiterate it, has 19 knockouts in all 19 of his victories. This is like a tank situation all over again. The only difference is that tank's knockout ratio was at 95%. Better be a, has a 100% knockout ratio. The chances are very slim for Callum Smith, but if you're a fan of him, I will not disrespect you. I will not trash you for supporting him. All love and respect to you, but we got to keep it 100, guys. No cap in my rap. That boy is going to need to put in some serious work. Earlier, I mentioned O'Hara Davies versus Ismael Barroso. That fight was incredibly short. Just for context, since I haven't discussed this situation on the show just quite yet, I did talk about it on the DQ with Damani website. Yes, weekly articles have been continuing despite the fact that we have not had an episode in some time during the winter recess christmas recess and new year's recess if you would like to call it by any of those names i did have the chance to discuss it with you all so if you are an avid reader of the material that i've been producing you already know about this and i do appreciate you guys for checking that out if you have not already please 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 go and check out the dq with damani website I will be linking that in the description of this week's episode. Now, once again, just for context, our boy, Rolando, Roli, Romero, had one of the biggest and most disrespectful victories of the year. Yes, it was a big victory, but it was still disrespectful against Barroso. Referee Tony Weeks will... Most definitely, we will be discussing him in a later segment for reasons that I'm sure most of you already know about. But Tony Weeks got in the way of an excellent finish to the fight. Broly was hurt. He got knocked down twice in the early rounds of the fight. The fight progresses. We reach round nine. Round nine, okay? This is not round five, six, or seven. This is round nine of a world championship fight. The WBA super lightweight championship of the world. Okay? But also throws two hard shots to roll. Left hook, straight down the pipe, it lands. For what reason did Tony Weeks have to step in and stop the fight? This was called the robbery of the year by many boxing and combat sports news outlets. You had the MMA guys laughing and saying, this is exactly why people don't take boxing seriously anymore. This is why MMA, Muay Thai, even international and collegiate wrestling are beginning to take over the combat sports scene. This is why. Roley was gifted the belt. And while I do like Roley because of his trash talk, I do like Roley because of his rambunctious and boisterous attitude. I do like him for that. I cannot sit here and tell you guys that that was a fair and credible win to his resume. It was not. But also, a 40-year-old man gave Roley the work. He did. 
And Tony Weeks robbed him of the opportunity to become a world champion at that point. Roley, he walked away with the belt, but his reputation was never the same. It's bad enough he already got knocked out by Tank. I had the chance to see that live. But this ruined his reputation for just a while. Every single person at 135 and 147 was trashing Roley. Making sure that everyone knew that Roley did not truly earn that belt. Like I said, I like Roley's attitude. I like the fact that he brings big money into the sport because of his attitude. But once again, this is not a credible win on his resume at all. So the WBA recognizes the fact that Barroso was robbed. They understand wholeheartedly what went down. But they didn't strip Roley. Here is what they did. O'Hara Davies, a fighter who has been repetitively speaking Roley's name across the pond in the UK, was given the unique opportunity to fight Ismael Barroso in a final eliminator for the WBA Super Lightweight Championship. O'Hara agrees. Ismail agrees. We end up having the fight being placed on the undercard of Virgil Ortiz versus Frederick Lawson. That fight occurred this past Saturday. Davies, like I already said earlier, was knocked out flat. He touched the canvas twice, got back up. The referee obviously did not want him to continue. His corner... We're not entirely sure what was going on there. But the ref did not like his body language. Davies was stopped. Knocked out. That was the end of that. Now, this morning, Davies released a statement talking about what exactly happened during that fight. What happened in the preparation leading up to the fight. And details surrounding his new contract with Golden Boy slash zone. Go ahead and roll that. Opinion. First of all, I need to congratulate Ishmael Barroso. He got me a very good shot. It was a mate, it was a punch from the gods. I overreached with the right hand and bang, he's got me with a good left hand. Definitely a punch from the gods. Um, I shouldn't have threw that shot that early on in the fight. I shouldn't have overreached. This wasn't a part of the game plan and I didn't stick to the game plan. And there's a reason for that. You know, me and my coach, we worked on the game plan for months and months in the gym, getting ready for this fight. And then when I got in there, I didn't follow it. Um, which I'm going to explain why, but it was a very good shot. And I want to congratulate this moment. We got through the jet lag after three days or so. And then um, on the Monday, I realised that I wasn't sleeping that much. I still wasn't sleeping that much. I was getting the same sleep. Or I was getting less, I was getting less sleep after jet lagged than I was getting during my jet lag. And this really didn't make sense. I've got a, I've got, um, I've got a smartwatch. I've got the Fitbit app on this watch. So it monitors my sleep, which is what I use anytime that I'm at home. Usually get between seven to nine hours of good quality sleep every night. If you're training, you're getting ready to fight, you're in camp, you need at least eight hours of good sleep every night to let your body like, you know, it needs to rest. Now I'll be truthful with you all. I respect O'Hara Davies for coming completely clean about the situation, just pretty much admitting that 
he didn't get enough rest. He wasn't physically or mentally well rested to be able to compete at the highest level. A lot of people, they'll make excuses. They'll say, oh, man, well, in my training, we did this and we did that. Or, well, I had an injury and they never actually went to a physician. He straight up came clean. He said, look, guys, I didn't get my proper sleep. Because there were a lot of people on social media who were saying, why does O'Hara Davies look like that? He looks like he's not interested in the fight. He looks tired. He looks sluggish. There were a lot of people pointing out the fact that he didn't necessarily respond physically in the way that a fighter who has been very well rested would respond. So, like I said, I just respect the fact that he came clean, spoke to the fans, and then also made a video addressing what exactly went down. Oh, it's just very, very, very disappointing that somebody like him, such a genuine soul, somebody who continues to call out the corruption and all of the foolishness that is going down with the sanctioning bodies and promotions, especially bad contracts, bad manager contracts, promotional contracts, etc. He has to, you know, deal with a loss like this. It's very disappointing, but he's very, very ripe. Once again, very ripe for 31 years old. He is in the prime of his career, and I firmly believe that he'll be back. On the topic of corruption, in the final section, we are going to discuss what happened last Saturday. So, if you remember... In the earlier sections of this episode, I said that I was going to talk about Tony Weeks. I'm going to fulfill my promise. Now, I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea. I respect every single referee who goes in the ring. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anyone, whether you're a casual, a hardcore fan, or an elderly person who is just now starting to tune into this new generation of boxing. I will... Keep it 100% real with you all. Like I've already said a couple of times this episode, there is no cap in my rap. Being the third man in the ring is probably one of the most difficult jobs in boxing, outside of being a fighter themselves. Yes, you have all of the investors who have to pull money together to, to, to even make the event happen in the first place. Yes, you have the matchmakers who also have difficult jobs. Of course, you even have the promoters themselves. But in my personal opinion, the fighter, referee, and judges have the most difficult jobs in the sport. I'd like to believe that this applies for all combat sports. Truthfully, Tony Weeks is one of the most tenured and storied referees in the history of modern boxing. He has been refereeing since 1994, just for context. He was a ref in the amateurs, and he has, of course, been refereeing world championship fights for a very long time as well. So, when I say that this fight smelled very, very powerfully of corruption, I am not saying that lightly. I have plenty of respect for Tony Weeks as an official, but I'm going to be judging heavily the content of his character and his judgment skills during the fight between Virgil Ortiz and Frederick Lawson. If you haven't seen the fight yet, 
please, I am begging you, right now, pause this episode and go watch the highlights. Because I promise you, you will be just as frustrated, disappointed, and overall just disgusted by what transpired. I'm going to give you guys a moment to just do that for me really fast. Because what I'm about to get into is going to be a very heavy subject. So we discussed what happened between Ismael Barroso and Roli Romero the last time that the two men ended up meeting each other. Of course, they've had their fair share of conversations outside of the ring, but during their fight, very controversial ending. And it just so happens that the referee for that match was Tony Weeks. This is two fights now that Tony Weeks has refereed that have ended in the exact same way. How is it that someone can be refing fights from 1994? Referee historic fights. Marcus Brown, Badu Jack, the fight where Badu's forehead was split so clean open that you could see his skull. Bleeding everywhere. That infamous pick that people keep posting on boxing edits of the referee with blood all over his chest. Yes, that's Tony Weeks. A lot of you don't know that. But yes, that is Tony Weeks. That is from that fight. In that fight, Tony Weeks allowed Badu Jack to continue fighting as his forehead was spraying blood like a geyser in the Midwest. He allowed that fight to continue. How is it possible? And I'm going to repeat it again like Dr. Umar. How is it possible that that fight was allowed to continue? But Virgil Ortiz can connect ever so slightly with a jab. Throw a barrage of lightly, lightly, lightly pressuring left and right hooks. And Tony Weeks steps in and stops the fight. I'm sorry, but there is no clear explanation other than corruption. For this to have happened back to back? For there to have been an investigation into his conduct? And there were no other happenings surrounding this investigation that was conducted? This is very suspicious. And I have continued to maintain a firm stance on all of the ridiculousness, the, just, just the complete circus freak show that has been going down in my sport. We already discussed how ridiculous the Alicia Baumgartner drug testing thing is. We already discussed how ridiculous the licensing situation and drug testing situation with Connor Ben is. And now we have to come full circle and once again address more foolishness in the sport that can be avoided very easily with competent judgment. I don't understand when things are going to change, but I want to let you guys know that my faith in the sport has not waned at all. I, I am not going to give up. I'm not going to come on here and be discouraged and tell you guys that boxing is over, the sport is finished, but I do have to once again keep it real. 
This is the reason why people say that boxing is dying. I don't share that sentiment and I never will, no matter what happens in the sport. But this type of situation is what adds fuel to the fire. This is what motivates people to feel this way, motivates people to spread that narrative that boxing is dead, that boxing cannot be saved, that boxing will eventually fall into complete obscurity. So just before we head into our closer, I'm going to let you guys listen to what the Puerto Rican legend, former world title challenger, Gabriel Rosado had to say about the situation. Go ahead and roll it. It's a shame that the fight got stopped so so early. I think eventually it was going to go to a stoppage, but you know you want to see it. You want to see Lawson. You want to see what he's going to do. How's he going to respond? He never was given the opportunity to respond. Um, and then you want Virgil to really get a um, a knockout. You know whether it's Lawson going down or you know. It was to the point where the, the referee had to stop in. But I think the referee stopped in premature. No, 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 man. It was a premature stoppage, man. It's the first round. It's a championship fight. Um, Virgil Ortiz, man, you got to let him fight. You got to let Lawson. You got to give him the opportunity to respond. You know, a lot of those shots were hitting his gloves. And then, you know, two shots landed to the body. And that's when Tony Reese uh, jumped in. So I thought it was premature. And it's not, and it's not fair to the fans. You know, the fans are paying money to come uh, be entertained so you gotta let the fight ride a little bit well there you have it you read it on the weekly article i said it was a premature stoppage i said lawson didn't have the chance to prove to the ref that he could fight didn't have the chance to prove to the fans that he could fight all around robbery for just about everyone but we do have much to look forward to like I mentioned in the earlier section this coming Saturday, we have incredible action in the light heavyweight division. Arthur Better Biev versus Callum Smith. Yes, that fight is going to be exceptional. In addition to that, we also have more work coming by way of the zone. So, everybody. Please keep your eyes peeled for Conor Ben's return. I cannot wait for that man to get back in the ring. That fight will be taking place in February, February 3rd. So we've got a little bit of a wait for Ben's return to the ring. But once again, this Saturday, the 13th, Better Biev and Smith, make sure you hold on tight to those remotes turn that volume up and make sure that you are locked in for the canadian showdown Whew. first episode back and i'm not gonna lie to you all it feels amazing to be sitting here in this chair still going strong still giving you guys probably the best episodes yet of my show because I remember when I first started out, the editing was definitely a bit patchy. We needed a whole lot more work in intro sounds. We didn't have any music. There was literally just nothing but just me in a room full of echo. It has definitely improved dramatically, and I'm just very glad that I have a solid fan base now, and I'm able to continue producing these episodes. 
for relatively low cost. It's, it's great to be able to do this week in, week out, and I'm glad to be back. Please, everyone, remember, I'm going to be linking the website in the description of this week's episode. Everyone, go check out this week's article and the coming articles for the following weeks and all of the articles that I have released in prior weeks. This is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I, Le Tigre himself, bringing you another wonderful episode of DQ with Damani. Thank you so much for supporting me. Everyone, get some boxing in your system this weekend. Be safe and God bless.